Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. The abortion battle is reaching really a frenzied state as the abortion rights protesters target Catholic churches, the homes of Supreme Court justices, and even Nancy Pelosi. Uh, What's up with that? Um, Democratic lawmakers and blue state politicians are moving quickly to expand access to abortions in their states to thwart a possible Supreme Court ruling that would overturn Roe v. Wade, the 1973 decision that made abortion legal. Now, if the justices overturn Roe, it would give the law back to the states. Um, The high court codifies Roe. It would pretty much nullify all state laws, I think, now in place that protect the unborn. But how much do you know about abortion? How much does the average person know about its history, its morality, who's fighting for it, and who who is against it? A new pro-life documentary helps people understand abortion, who it's affecting, and why. Um, It's called The Matter of Life, and the film takes on the legal arguments for and against abortion, its history, its impact on society, and a whole lot more. Tracy Robinson is the producer and director, and she joins me now. Welcome, um, Tracy. Thanks for having me. Um, One of the things that strikes me about you personally is that you were once pro-choice, and now you were Mm -hmm. pro-life, you know, Mm -hmm. as I was. I mean, I think a lot of people can actually... Um, you know, relate to that, but, but what convinced you to become pro-life? Well, I was, I've always been in film and video production, but my uh, friends at a pregnancy center, I was doing work for, I was commissioned on and off to do videos for pregnancy resource center in California. Um, And back in 2016, they invited me to an apologetics conference and the topic was the case against abortion. And I thought, well, I'll go and check it out and see what my pro-life friends are talking about. And in less than two hours, uh, the speaker, Alan Schleeman of Stand to Reason, he gave a clear, concise argument for the full humanity of the unborn child from the moment of conception. And the logic and the philosophy really struck me. Um, But also he showed us, he gave us an opportunity to look at fetal imagery uh, and abortion aftermath imagery. And the truth just really hit me. Um, And it was in that moment, I was actually really struck with this idea and vision that this needed to be a feature-length documentary. It's really interesting that you say that because there are so many people who are kind of middle of the road, you know, abortion is not my issue. Um, But when they actually see the truth about it, the pictures, the arguments against it, it sways them. Why is it you never get those arguments out into the world to those people? That's right. I was in the mushy middle. I, uh, because I didn't really have the information. Nobody ever told me the basic pro-life message and the basic pro-life case. 
Um, and I've never seen fetal, I've never really seen fetal imagery when it comes to talking about abortion. It just was not really um, a big deal in the grand scheme of things because I just wasn't challenged to think about it uh, that deeply. I just subscribed to the culture and the euphemisms that I've heard growing up. And, um, you know, I, but when I had this idea for a documentary, I knew there were so many people in my shoes, young adults who grew up uh, going to public school um, or, and their family never broached the topic. And of course they never heard it uh, at church. They never heard the truth or um, that topic at church either. And so, um, it's just, I think it's because um, abortion is a money-making business, uh, what it really boils down to. Um, so in the media, you hear that abortion is a person's uh, right. Um, you hear that it's an empowering choice. Um, I believe that's all propaganda. <laughs> um, <laughs> in my many years of research at this point, um, I really see it for what it is um, because uh, abortion makes a lot of people money. Uh, politicians, lobbyists, and and um, the abortion industry itself, the media. Mm -hmm. And so um, this is really, it's also a spiritual battle. Um, so this, the enemy of our soul, you know, the, the devil likes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's a liar and the father of lies. And so um, he deceives many. <clears throat> and so um, this is a battle for minds as and as well as hearts this is a battle for worldview yeah you know the i watched the film and um really blown away by it um and there were some parts that were very very difficult to to watch um even though you warn people you know you probably want to look away and of course you know i didn't and um it was it was almost traumatic uh, to look at you know what abortion actually does and have the the doctor described actually what he actually did. Um, and it sickens you. It really does sicken you. And I can't, I always challenge people as, as to look at the, the pictures of aborted fetuses. And if you can still be pro-choice or pro-abortion after looking at that, then you don't have a heart. I mean, that's to me is what it says. Do you think a lot of people just want to avoid that because they're so entrenched in their camp, in their silo, that they just don't want to look at those imagery, the images? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say so. I would say there's a lot of people that have been also had abortions and the imagery is just you can't even go there in your mind. You, it's just a it's a defense mechanism to, to have to look at abortion imagery would mean to deal with that, um, that reality in your mind. And most people are not, are not ready emotionally to deal with that reality and to cope with that loss or that tragedy, um, especially at that level, um, just somebody's own offspring, um, you know, and the fact that they made that decision to do it. So I, I feel like you, you find a lot of people that are justifying abortion staunchly with, there's just no listening or no getting through. Um, I, some, sometimes I wonder if they have had abortions or been involved in abortion in their mm -hmm. past, um, because they're just so not ready for ready to embrace, um, maybe the fact that they regret or they, they took a, uh, they took a life of someone. Um, so I think that what well, I wanted to do with the documentary was to set up 
the context of why we need to look at abortion imagery uh, versus just uh, standing on the sidelines of a protest and and shoving it in people's faces. I wanted to invite people to think about this is why we have to look. This is why pictures are so important. Um, We give the the story about Emmett Till, whose mom insisted, whose mother insisted that he have an open casket at his funeral. Um, And he was uh, because he was brutally murdered in the Deep South in 1955 by two white men. And it sparked the civil rights movement. And so there's power in showing people the truth and the reality. And that brings another issue up, though, is that for a lot of people, they're not going to watch this film because they're they just don't want to see that. They don't want to see that argument um, because, well, like you said, I mean, it's 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 too traumatic. But but you're not aiming at those people, are you? Or are you hoping that they come? No. I mean, this film is watchable, is is for everybody. You don't have to be a Christian to uh, hear the arguments. Um, but yes, it's for an audience that's teachable, that's willing to learn more about this topic and inform themselves. Um, it's not some, it's not for somebody who's going to come in and be antagonistic. Uh, it's really for people who want to learn more. Maybe they've been raised in church their whole life and know they should be pro-life, but don't really know why, or they, they're really pro-life, but they don't really know how to argue, um, their position or they're, they're in the mushy middle. Like I was, I I, my stance was that I was personally pro-life, so to speak. Uh, I would never choose abortion, but who am I to enforce my beliefs onto others? And I couldn't imagine a world that it, where it was illegal. Um, so essentially I was pro-choice uh, as an evangelical Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of people in that camp, a lot of people, and even Christians who have decided to say I'm pro-choice, you know, because mm-hmm. they're concerned about the, they're, compa- they're being compassionate about the woman, you know, they have good intentions, but to me, it boils down to, look, we have to really honestly look at the facts. You know, uh, there are two Christian authors, very famous Christian authors, well, well-known, I shouldn't say famous, but certainly yes, in like a certain circle, they are famous, but they actually... Um, support Roe, uh, uh, Jen Hatmaker and Mary Catherine Backstrom, two Christian authors. What what do you think about their support of Roe? Um, because this is an issue in the church that is not being addressed. Right. right. And it, it needs to be addressed in the church. Um, I'm puzzled by those stances uh, that favor Roe and favor um, uh, abortion, uh, abortion law. Um, or abortion being allowed uh, by Christians. And I, again, I think it comes from an inability to see the facts of the personhood and the humanity of the unborn child. I think that a lot of evangelicals are trying to be progressive, are trying to look out for this, you know, they're, they're, they take pity on the circumstances of women and want to give her that choice. Um, But it's a very degrading unloving choice, um, uh, in the body of Christ. It's, um, first of all, murder <laughs> it's, it's intentionally ending, killing a li- of life of an innocent human being. Um, and, um, to say that a woman to, to say that we show compassion on a woman, um, by allowing her to do that to her own offspring, to her own son or daughter, uh, it's just very demoralizing. Um, and so, I believe that the church has an opportunity to um, love people 
uh, a lot more Christians have this opportunity with the abortion issue uh, to really address a woman's needs in that moment. Her needs are not abortion. Her needs are resources, our, our other choices, our uh, adoption resources, uh, maternity homes, um, pregnancy care organizations. There's so many in the United States. There's so many in her community. She just doesn't know they exist. And the church often doesn't know she exists. So um, I believe that uh, there's a huge opportunity to love people uh, with this, this abortion crisis um, and to not, I believe it's counter, um, counter gospel um, to be in favor of abortion. Yeah. You brought up in the documentary that the church is one of like the four pillars really pushing against the abortion. Um, but one of the things that, you know, you're very honest about it is that four in 10 women who had abortions were actually attending church services. So clearly being at church is not the, <laughs> is not part of, you know, mm-hmm. the issue. It really is that there's something else going on. Why would the church not address this? Well, that was an epiphany that I had midway through making this film was learning that statistic and four out of 10 women who had an abortion in their past attended church in the month they became pregnant. And as Roland Warren in the film, he says, this is an issue for us as Christians. We need to overturn Roe v. Wade in our own pews. And um, I, I think that uh, I learned a statistic shortly after that, that, that gave um uh, landscape of the American church and over well over 50% of major Protestant denominations in the United States are either silent or they actually have make excuses or have exceptions for abortion. Um, and so it's no wonder that you find women in churches getting these abortions. Um, we're not talking about it. We're not equipping her. We're not uh, communicating that there's options. We're not communicating that abortion's wrong. Uh, we're just um, completely ignoring this topic um, and letting and deferring to the culture to inform young people. Yeah. And so, um, and then what you have is many women in church had abortions. So pastors even more so don't want to address it because they're afraid of hurting feelings. Um, but we need to address it. We need to set these women and men free uh, from their past. And, and it's an opportunity to, to, to show them the forgiveness of Christ. Um, so uh, we, we hurt ourselves by not addressing it. This is another thing that the documentary talks about is the shaming that also goes on in churches. If you go to the pastor or to um, maybe a deacon or whoever it is, the young women are afraid to because they would be shamed. Uh, mm-hmm. They would be made to say, you're the sinner. Couldn't you, you know, you, 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 you fell off, you know, and there's no, there's no compassion in the church. Um, and I think that's an important part of, I mean, it's just this idea. It's like the woman caught in adultery. I mean, people, the pastors will be giving sermons up and down about the woman caught in adultery, but, you know, having compassion for her and, 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 and looking at the men who want to stone her, but never, but never actually address the kind of thing that's happening in their own churches. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it was so important to highlight ministries that are doing amazing things and equipping the church to minister to those single pregnant women. Um, we highlight Embrace Grace. Uh, it's a study, a, a, a group, a group of girls in a church 
uh, that anyone can set up in their church. And it provides her with resources, with love and care and, and just weekly meetings uh, where she get, has a support system. And that's really what women need in that, in that time in their life is a strong support system. Um, and, and so with the documentary, I wanted to show not only people the truth and the information, but inspiration and just show them pregnancy resource centers and these pregnancy help organizations that are doing great things. Um, Embrace grace. Like I said, just giving people hope to see, look, there is a a good path here. Um, There, there is hope for her. Uh, There's hope when Roe is overturned that um, we can step up and get involved in these amazing ministries or even start something of our own. Um, there's so many ways to get involved. So uh, not only do I want people to be edified and, and educated, I want them to be encouraged. Uh, we're going to take a break right now on White House Faith Podcast. We'll be right back with Tracy Robinson. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. All right, we're back on Lighthouse Faith Podcast with Tracy Robinson. She is the director and producer of a pro-life movie, The Matter of Life. And I've got to ask you a couple of things, of course, that's happening today. Uh, obviously, we're talking about uh, the possibility that the Supreme Court will overturn Roe v. Wade uh, in the current case they've got before them. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I hope it happens. I hope that uh, what Alito has written really carries through, really comes through. Um, and I think that the work is only beginning. You know, it's not a complete and total victory, but it's a huge step forward um, because it gives power back to the states. Um, And, but in my state of California, for instance, it's becoming a sanctuary state for abortion. Um, So it's, it's really dividing the country. It's going to be dividing the country even more, I believe. Um, People who can't access abortion in a more restricted state you know, they'll be flown over to Mm -hmm. California for free, um, be put up for free and get a free abortion on the taxpayer dollar. Um, So it's really uh, becoming even more polarized, I see, uh, just in the states themselves. But I think giving the states at least that power and that choice 
is a huge step forward. There's a new Fox poll out um, and just a couple of stats that kind of stick out for first one is the one that says um, the Supreme Court action on Roe v. Wade. And uh, as of now, 63 percent of those polled in the Fox poll, Fox News poll said they want Roe to stand and only 27 percent wanted it to be overturned. What is that? What is your reaction to that? Well, it indicates to me that people still don't know when a human life begins and when personhood of that human life begins. Um, It starts at the moment of conception. And that's just something that's not being taught. It's not being driven into uh, people's minds when it comes to the issue of abortion. Uh, when people get pregnant and they've been wanting to get pregnant, suddenly there's there's joy and there's hope. But why? Like, do we know why? Because there's a person there. There's a person on the way. Um, but when it comes to the abortion issue, somehow we are okay with, oh, just terminate the person. Um And I think it has a lot to do with ignorance. I really do. People are in the dark, um, whether willful willful or not, Um, like I was at one point. And so uh, at 15 weeks, a baby is making movements already. Um, The ears are starting to form. At eight weeks, uh, they have fingers and toes starting to form and and eyes and even their genitals. And so um, I think if people were to really look at pictures to really come out of some arbitrary number or just get out of some abstract idea of abortion um, and actually look at the humanity of that child, they would think a lot differently. The other statistic that is in the Fox poll um, shows a little something different. It's a little nuance here. It said ban abortion in your state after six weeks and um, 50 percent of the people are actually for that after 15 weeks, 54% of the people were for that. So there's clearly, what I'm seeing in the difference between these statistics is that people are in favor of some restrictions on abortion. Um, Mm -hmm. What what does that number say to you? Um, Well, I just, I think um, people tend to equate uh, development with deserving of life. but I don't think that development of a person really determines their value. Um, a 12-year-old 12 year, 12 year person is not um, less deserving of life and protection than a 16-year-old person. Um, so I think that people need to come and realize that there's no spec, that personhood is not a spectrum um, or just some arbitrary thing that you can make up. Uh, personhood is there from the moment of conception. Uh, that's really what I'm convicted that people don't understand. Um, if we were talking about our own children, uh, would it be okay to abort them at, at eight weeks or six weeks if you're talking about the children that you know you now have? Um, and so I think that people are just misinformed. And that's why I was so passionate about making this documentary is because people just don't often have the um, chance to really think deeply about this, or they just don't take the time to think really uh, clearly um, and truly about this issue. You, um, they, I've been told that the Facebook has banned the ads for this movie. Why have they banned it? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, I think that big tech is a part of Sil- Silicon Valley ide- ideology. Um, and, you know, that's a very left-leaning ideology. Although I do know 
left-leaning friends who are pro-life, um, who are some of the most outspoken pro-life activists I've ever met. Uh, Teresa Bukovinak, who founded Pro-Life San Francisco um, and the Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising. They're all these um, feminist, liberal, um, but they're, they're very unique um, because most people in the left um, and in charge of these big tech corporations have an ideology that is very pro-abortion. Um, and so it's, it's corruption. Um, it's not freedom of speech. Um, and so um, it, affects, it affects people hearing the real truth because uh, information is being censored. Wow. Well, um, one of the things you brought up, and I've, you've got these four things that are the four pillars of pushing against uh, abortion uh, that threatens access to abortion. In the church, we understand, obviously. But w- one of them is me- uh, parents. Um, and you, you say, number one, parents. But why are parents the problem for abortion? Um, well, parents have an amazing power and influence over their kids. Um, in the in the film, um, we address that one of the biggest threats the, to the abortion imagery are parents, um, because um, they have the great one of the greatest influences over their children's mind about and mind and attitude about sex. Um, so it's so important for parents to step in the way and to to be on the offense for their child's um, mind and heart and worldview. Um, and it has tremendous power to influence a child's, uh, a young adult's choice later on. Now, the other thing, though, is men. And I don't think anybody would have figured out that men are have the power, really, to push against abortion. That's right. Uh, another threat to the abortion industry that we get into in the film is men. And um, that was an epiphany that I had. Uh, making this documentary was realizing it's not just a woman's issue. There's two involved. Uh, there's a man involved. And I heard I we have the poll in there that um, indicates that the man has the most influential. Uh, um, the the man has the most influence in a woman's uh, a, a pregnancy decision. Um, and so. Uh, he has such an op- he has such an opportunity to be a support um, to encourage life, um, but often he's either out of the picture or he has no say at all. Uh, I've um, uh, heard so many testimonies of men who have regretted abortion from years past. Uh, you know, they they often had no say in it. They didn't even know about it, um, or they were the one pressuring. Uh, for the abortion or paying for the abortion, but they regret it years later. So this is an issue for men. I was just saying one of the things that was really apparent, the subtlety of it all, because you brought out that if a woman, if a man says to the woman who's pregnant, you know, this is the woman he's gotten pregnant. If he says to her, I'll support your decision. That's a loaded statement to her because women take that as you don't want, you want me to have an abortion. Yeah. Women, women hear that and say, well, you don't really care if my child or our child uh, lives or dies and you don't, and therefore you really don't care about me or this relationship. So it's just a spiraling effect 
and detrimental to a relationship um, for a for a man to be so politically correct and say, oh, I support your choice, whatever. It's a woman's choice. Um, that's a very passive um, thing that she hears. And yeah, she takes I think that oftentimes a woman takes that as, OK, you don't really care. Um, you're not going to fight for this baby. You're not going to fight for me. Um, so that was something that really, um, was striking to me as, as well. You mentioned this, um, before, but I want to bring this out because I've heard this so many times from people who are, um, pro-choice, pro-abortion. I actually say pro-abortion because if you're, you're, you're not giving the child a choice um, when you say pro-choice. But pregnancy resource centers, they always say, oh, well, you only care about the child, you know, in the womb, you know, making sure the woman, you know, gives birth, but you don't care about the child after or the mother after the child is born and they have all these issues. Talk about pregnancy resource centers and what they're doing um, to help women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And pregnancy resource centers, they're the just on the front lines of um, pregnancy care and pregnancy help when a woman's in crisis. I never heard of a pregnancy center until I was commissioned to do video work for them. Um, But they're out there. They outnumber Planned Parenthoods. Uh, They just don't have strong marketing and connection. They don't build relationships with, they're not allowed to be in schools or, or, um, uh, build these connections with students at a young age, like Planned Parenthood is. Um, But yes, I was, when I was first introduced to one, I was amazed by just the free resources and the, the free um, pregnancy resource uh, pregnancy tests and uh, the free resources available to them. And they're very compassionate people running these centers. Often the women there have had abortions um, and now they're, they're trying to help women in, in the situations they were in, in the past. Um, and so, and often these clinics, they're more and more, they're becoming medical and they're doing ultrasounds and allowing that, um, woman to see what's really going on inside her body, uh, and to make that connection, uh, to the child. So they're doing wonderful things and they don't offer abortion. Uh, they don't refer for abortion. Um, and that's really where people get upset is because they're not giving um, the woman the choice of death, <laughs> of, of death for that child. Um, uh, it's, that was uh, one of the laws. That was one of the laws that was being fought over, I think, in here in New York. Right. I'm not sure it was federal, but it was laws about whether a, a pregnancy um, resource centers or health centers should be should advertise that they do not give abortions. And like, well, mm-hmm. why should they? I mean, right. you know, if they, yeah. why wouldn't Planned Parenthood go be saying, OK, we don't encourage you to keep your baby. I mean, that we could just you could just do it the opposite way. That's right. Yeah. Many years ago in California, we had AB 775 that was going to enforce pregnancy resource centers who are uh, largely ministry based organizations um, to post on their windows that uh, they don't offer abortions and but you can get one somewhere, essentially referring people to abortions in fine print. Um, And it was just very uh, degrading. It was um, patronizing to these pregnancy resource centers. And ultimately, uh, NIFLA took it to court, uh, NIFLA versus Becerra and NIFLA won. And essentially, it was unconstitutional for, um, you know, for the abortion industry or, you know, for the state of California to do that. 
um, because it would violate, thankfully violate our faith and our religion. So. Yeah, I don't, I mean, one of the things that really is, uh, like you were talking about, it, it really has to be through the church, um, that they don't have these, um, the church really, as you said, needs to become more under challenging role in the church. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a really big part of this. Now, where, how can people see the film? Um, well, the film is coming to theaters nationwide, May 16th and 17th. That's this coming Monday and Tuesday. And um, they can get tickets at uh, fathomevents.com or they can go to matteroflife.org, uh, not .com, but .org. Um, so uh, you can get tickets that way. We want to encourage people to fill the theaters, to really communicate to the world that this topic is is gravely important um, and um, we all need to pay attention to it. So it's matteroflife.org. You can find tickets. I think one of the most striking things about the film, many striking things about the film, but one of the things it brings up is the fact that, you know, Bernard Nathanson, who coined the phrase that the, that the abortion rights people use, a woman should have a right to do with her body what she wants or whatever, paraphrasing, he was, he became anti-abortion because he actually saw abortion when he actually Mm -hmm. saw it. Um, And there's another abortion doctor there who must have done thousands of abortions. And it's something just when he said, it it just sticks in my mind. He says sometimes when he'd pull the child out and he, and a a face would just greet him. And I thought, Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. See, and this is, I think one of the issues that people have, people want to assume it's a clump of cells and it is at maybe a week. Um, but the time that most people have abortions, it's not a clump of cells anymore. It's actually formed into a baby with two arms, That's two right. legs, a head, brain, mm-hmm. um, and internal organs. That's right. Um, yeah, some people, I mean, most most women don't know they're pregnant until maybe six weeks, um, sometimes even a month or so. Uh, and often, especially if it's an unplanned pregnancy, they're in denial. Uh, that's happened in a lot of stories I've, I've heard. Uh, they're in denial for two months. Um, so, um, yeah, it's definitely a euphemism coined by pro-abortion activists. Um, and I was so inspired when I heard Bernard Nathanson's story. He started in New York City doing thousands of abortions at his clinic, and he was responsible for he and his cohort were responsible for pushing abortion law, abortion into law um, in large part. Um, But so it was so amazing to see that he converted uh, towards the end of his life. He converted and started uh, seeing ultrasound. Ultrasound was being more used at that point now. And um, he started to preach a different message. He started to try to inform inform the public of what abortion really is and does and fetal development. Um, so he spent the rest of his life championing, championing for life. Some amazing stories. Um, uh, Tracy Robinson, I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith podcast. The movie is called, the documentary is called The Matter of Life. Um, and, you know, obviously you can uh, look it up online and figure out where you can see it. Um, it will it will change you. I mean, this is, this is something that will influence. If you're sitting on the fence about abortion, um, this is something that will inform you and it will really help you make a decision about what you believe about abortion. I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith. Thank you, Lauren.
And thank you all for listening. I'm Lauren Green. Uh, This is Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Have a blessed day. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.